0: Coming to you live from the InterAction Media Studio in Morgantown, welcome to Positively West Virginia. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Today we have a very special episode for you guys. We're going to be visiting live here in the studio with Chris Mullett. Chris is the president and CEO of Burlington United Methodist Family Services. Uh, of course, they're in Burlington, West Virginia, but they serve all over the West, uh, West Virginia region and uh, into Maryland. Chris, thanks for being on the show today. It's great
1: to be here. Thanks, yeah, Jim. It's
0: great to see you. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year to uh, you. It's awesome. First, guys, I want to talk a little bit about the mission here at Positively West Virginia. Every week, we talk with West Virginia business leaders, and we share their success stories with people just like you in West Virginia and across the country. Since 2017, our goal is to bring you encouraging and inspiring business stories each week not only from for-profit businesses but for also non-profit businesses from right here in the mountain state. We believe that by encouraging others with the possibilities that entrepreneurship, small business ownership and even yes, non-profit businesses and organizations, we can help change the direction of West Virginia and help keep our young people right here in the state. We love telling these stories and quite frankly, not a lot of people ever get to hear about, and so we just love uh, that aspect of positively. Our hope is that we, our hope is that people realize that you don't have to leave West Virginia to find great business opportunities. They're right here in our state. If you just look around, and we just want to encourage people to stay here, come here and build a great company or a nonprofit, or even move back here if you've left. Repatriate to West Virginia and be a part of this amazing small business ecosystem and culture that we have right here in West Virginia. All of our guests are people who are actually getting that done as well, and I'm convinced that we all can learn from their Experiences, even and even more importantly, their stories. Uh, over the past several years, we've produced uh, close to 300 episodes now. And positively, West Virginia is a 501c3 nonprofit organization ourselves. You can learn more about our mission of promoting small business and entrepreneurship and nonprofits in West Virginia at positively dot W V dot com. Our guest once a day, uh, once again today, is Chris Mollett. He's the president and CEO of Burlington United methodist Family Services uh, right here in West Virginia. Mineral County is where your headquarters is. Absolutely. Uh, Chris, welcome again to the show. For those of you guys who don't know, Chris Mullett has served as president and CEO of Burlington since April of 2020. His prior work in the nonprofit sector includes the Epilepsy Foundation of America, the Clarksburg Mission. I think that's where you and I first it is. Uh, yeah. came in contact with each other, and World Vision Appalachia. Chris has his bachelor's degree from the University of Pittsburgh at Johnstown and he attained his masters from Emory University. We invited Chris on the show today to talk about Burlington United Methodist Family Services to share their story and to talk about the nonprofit business he leads right here in West Virginia. Chris, again, thanks for being on the show. Take a minute, tell us a little bit about Burlington.
1: Um, thank you, I appreciate the the invitation to do that. I appreciate <laughs> yeah. the time on here today. Um, so when I was uh, hired by Burlington about two years ago um, it 's a United Methodist uh, agency. Uh, my parents were lifelong United Methodists. I went to Fairmont to tell my parents about this this new uh, career uh, role that I'd, that I had been offered and and uh, told them all about what Burlington does and as as lifelong United Methodist, my mom said. Um, you know, you people do a terrible job of telling your story, apparently, because <laughs> I knew none of that. <laughs> and and I think that, that you know one of the things about, about the nonprofit world is that it's really difficult to find the capital to tell our stories, yeah. and so really appreciate opportunities like this. Yeah. Um, so Burlington started in 1913 when a couple of men living around Burlington, West Virginia, which is about halfway between Kaiser and Romney. Yeah. So it's just a yep. little wide place in the road along Route 50. Um, Saw that there were children who who didn 't have families mm. didn 't have a home, and so they bought an old house uh, along route fifty and called it the star of hope child refuge mm. and um, and began moving kids in there and did that for for years and years and then uh, and then um, saw the need to expand and so they built a whole campus there, so there are sixteen acres uh, there now and there 's three houses and a school and a chapel and administrative buildings and and um and, and then, uh, years later, uh, they obtained uh, another campus in Beckley uh, that had been the uh, Beckley Children's Home, and that's now part of Burlington. Yeah. And then we, uh, they bought a, a house in the Moorfield area and, and opened up a home there for younger children and then bought a couple houses in, in Kaiser and opened up some other opportunities for kids. So that now we have 10, 10 homes with 93 total beds available to to children from as young as five up Mm. to uh, to young adults timing out of the foster care system at 21 and um and so that's where we've gone with the residential work but then we also moved into community-based work so so uh started doing uh foster care uh, recruiting families and and training those families and assigning children and managing you know case managing the children that were in foster care and and so today we have about 110 children that we're managing mm. in foster care wow. um, across West Virginia and and then started doing programs like Safe at Home which is a uh, it's really a diversion program so we have case managers all across West Virginia that are managing uh, about 150 uh, kids uh... who otherwise would be in residential care mm. um, but we're we're providing the services they need for them to be able to stay at home and in their communities yeah. uh... we do uh, parents as teachers which uh... provides coaching and training for parents in how to be their child's uh... first and best teacher we we do right from the start which starts uh, with with um, women who are pregnant uh, maybe at risk and uh, it's all free services, and hooks them up with all of the the services they need in order to have a healthy, happy uh, childbirth experience. Mm. Um, so it just goes on and on like that. We've um, uh, targeted case management to keep people out of hospitals (laughs) We, we it's just remarkable to me we have 310 people working in 22 counties across West Virginia and Garrett County Maryland uh, doing just remarkable work to change the fortunes of people who are really hurting and um, sometimes hopeless and um, and and I'm just I couldn't be more pleased to be in the role that I'm in
0: well Chris as a um as a community uh, resident here in West Virginia, I I can't thank you enough for the work that you're doing, you know, especially with these children. Mm. You know, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about and delve a little bit deeper into the foster care issue because it is so prevalent in West Virginia and a lot of people are hurting, like you just said. And and you think about the last couple of years that we've gone through as a country and, and as a state with this pandemic and everything and, and the work that you guys are doing on the front lines of families and, and restoration and bringing hope really to right. these families is, is powerful. I, I got to ask you, like, you know, you've been in the nonprofit business that 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 sector mm-hmm. for a while. What? How did you get started in
1: all this anyway? What what's what brought you into the nonprofit <laughs> world? So I had been um, as as a kid, uh, the church that. That we attended in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, Charter Oak United Methodist Church invited. Uh, they had they had a youth fellowship, and hmm. I was part of that. And they invited me to go on a short-term mission trip to Eastern Kentucky wow. to work with Appalachian Service Project, another nonprofit. Yeah. Um, you know that 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 a so, what I call a social entrepreneur. Uh, started a guy named Tex Evans uh, mm. back in the '60s, and his whole his whole focus was uh, safer, warmer, drier. That's that's the total Simple. mission of of Appalachian <laughs> Service Project. It, they they bring tens of thousands of volunteers from around the country into 30 counties, 35 counties in central Appalachia, um, and they do housing rehab. So at 15, I'm up a holler outside of Harlan, Kentucky, hmm. uh, pounding nails into the side of a, a brand-new house. The house was a 16-foot by 20-foot house, but the the house that we were replacing was a 10-by-10 10 10 shack hmm. that was up this holler that was wrapped in tar paper. Um, a family of four lived in that 10-by-10 10 10 shack. Hmm. And so we were building them something much better. Hmm. And, and it really... It, Everything about that experience resonated with me and who I am, and I took that as a calling. I entered ministry um, and um, and my my passion in even in pastoral ministry was always for the poor. Yeah. Uh, I would frequently get in trouble with with church members <laughs> um, for spending too much time with with people who were on the fringes mm. and um, and and but it always mattered to me more. Um, you know what the janitor thought of me, than the biggest donor thought of me. I yeah. just, and that's no kudos to me. Yeah. That's just how I'm. That's set where up. your heart is. That's yeah, just that's how, how you're I'm wired. Set up. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's so, I, so I've, um, so in 2005 I left pastoral ministry. Uh, in 2006 I entered um, a uh, a job with World Vision Appalachia down in Philippi mm-hmm. as as their uh, manager of training and capacity development. And I loved it. I just uh, it was a working for World Vision was a great introduction. Was that Rustin? Yeah, Rustin Seaman. Rustin Seaman. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Talk I've about actually, a social entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. I've right? had him on the podcast a yeah. long time ago. Yeah, I mean, that's great. So I so I worked for Rustin okay. and uh, did that for a couple of years until the till the mission needed someone and and mm. uh, took that job for ten plus years and, wow. so, I, I think you know how did I get into this into this nonprofit world uh, was just this I guess for me it's been ministry combined with a sense of um, a, a real deep passion to serve people dealing with Appalachian poverty. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I'm from West Virginia, my parents both grew up in in New Martinsville um, and um, I was born in Fairmont, my dad was the secretary and treasurer of Monongahela Power uh, at the end of his career. Oh. Um, so we're, we're West Virginians. In yeah. fact, my uh, uh, my mom's great-great-great-great-grandfather is the namesake for 100 West Virginia. He was old 100. No uh, kidding. Yeah, Mr. Church. That's awesome. Um, he, and he came here as part of the Kingsguard uh, uh, in the 1770s. Um, uh, and uh, after, after the, the, the revolution, wow. uh, he decided he didn't want to go back to to uh, England because he had met a girl, and so they <laughs> built a cabin and and uh, here in Mon County, yeah, at, yeah. and then uh, and then moved a little bit further out, yep. uh, from that initial cabin and and the Hundred
0: Hornets and the, it was the uh, the high school I uh, uh, I went to St Francis High School here in Morgantown that was okay. one of our
1: uh, small rivals. Well, there the, you go. So that, that's pretty uh, cool. Yeah, so I you know I've got deep roots here that's, and that's awesome and um, yeah. and Ap- Appalachian poverty is what it just tugs at my heart and I. And one thing i didn 't mention about uh, about the the entrepreneurial growth mm. of of uh, Burlington is that about five years ago they entered the world of addiction recovery yeah and um, we have a we have a, a house for women with nineteen beds. Uh, one of the unique things about that is that women are allowed to bring their children, so we have mm. women who are pregnant and and they Whew. you know they go to the hospital, have the baby come back to a home yeah. that is supported by a, a full staff and and the support of Of all of those sisters in recovery, and uh, it's beautiful. And we are uh, in the. We hope in in March of this year we hope to open a second house Mm. uh, called Hope Meadows. Wow, Uh, where will that be? It's also in Mineral County. Okay, great. um, And uh, and it'll have much needed twenty or twenty-five beds. Same setup for women Mm. uh, who and some of some of whom will have children. And uh, we've already hired our our. Uh, manager for that house and we're wow. we're super excited so i just all of the mm-hmm. things that we do around family and children um are are really driven by the addiction crisis that we have in yeah. west virginia yeah. and everything else is kind of like a spin-off of that it absolutely is. It,
0: be, it becomes a epidemic of the epidemic
1: yes the the number of children uh, in west west virginia is second only to alaska yeah. in the number of children that are that are uh, in states custody uh, per mm. capita mm. and Uh, and that number has, has doubled in the last seven or so years. And the reason for that is completely around this, this epidemic of addiction. And, um, you know, if, if if you're out there listening and you haven't, if you haven't watched the, the series dope sick, Mm. uh, you ought to, um, because that really is a very good depiction of, of the drug crisis in West Virginia and, um, and so Mm. all of the kids living in in um in residential treatment a lot of the kids in foster care you know these kids are a product of of addiction exactly and and west virginia is just just overwhelmed and and so we really like we we need west virginians to step up you know i I hear i hear the (laughs) the uh commercial that says you know west virginians take care of each other and and i'm I'm thinking, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Where are you? Put up your hand. We'll, yeah, exactly. You know, we we'll get we we'll get you we we'll get your house inspected. We'll get you trained, and exactly. we'll, get, we'll get you signed a foster job. <laughs> Chris always
0: always asks folks this question, and I think it's it's perfectly suited for you. What's your 30 second pitch for Burlington United Methodist Family Services? In other words, what is it you tell people you do in 30 seconds? Uh,
1: what I do personally is provide the resources for people for an amazing staff of people who are making a huge difference in the lives of, of West Virginians and people mm-hmm. who live in Western Maryland, yeah. uh, people who are on on the edge, people who are on the verge, people who are on the fringe, mm-hmm. those people we are finding uh, and we are providing the services they need to have a better life. Yeah. And so, you know, when I, when I on-ramp staff members, I, I ask our training managers to, to either Zoom me into the Beckley campus or, or bring me live into the campus here in Burlington um, and the thing that I say to those folks, I tell them the story about me as a 15-year-old building yeah. that house, yeah. Yeah. and and that's why I do what I do, wow. right? Uh, and even even when, you know working at the Clark- Clarksburg Mission, mm-hmm. there's not a single day goes mm-hmm. by in my life that I don't think about people on the street yeah. and miss sitting on the street, having real conversations with people who are hurting and now my conversations are with you know podcasters and lawyers and insurance companies and and funders and you know i'm Mm. doing all the things to provide for that but i don't get to do it anymore so i say to all of our new hires please here's here's my here's my email here's my cell phone call me text Mm. me when something good happens on the front lines i want to know about it when something challenging happens on the front lines i want to know about it because the front lines is why I. Why I'm doing this? Yeah, why you were drawn to it? Right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and I think about that. You know, um,
0: as a believer, you know, y- you're 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 of the opinion and of the mindset and of the heart of of love, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of the most important commandments that it Jesus gave us is. was to love each other. And and when you sit down on the curb and have a conversation with somebody who's homeless and destitute yeah. and in despair. Uh, that's a game changer, really. It can be right? absolutely Just not only for them, for but both for of us. you, yeah. absolutely. And it's all. Sometimes it takes is a sharing of a little bit of love, right? And yeah. take that step. It doesn't have to be a giant leap of faith. It can be a step of faith. That's my opinion. That's you know?
1: absolutely right. I mean, I think the reality is that people are only changed through relationship. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah. it's it's so interesting that you know, yeah. the, the, of course, the creation story. Um, you know, the one thing that wasn't good was aloneness <laughs> Yes right? right And so yeah. partnership is created yeah, absolutely. and then community and yeah. then, then the first thing yeah. that happens from the other side divides that community, mm. right yep. And so so aloneness is the bad thing. community is created, then community is divided. And when we look at mm. um, when we look at, at, um, at our, you know, take a deeper look at your own life, what is it that changed you? I, mm. I can tell you when I went away on that mission trip um you know the youth leaders changed me my pastor changed me the when i went away to college um bob dr bob matson my who just happened to be assigned to be my advisor he changed my life reverend george porter who was our campus Mm. chaplain Mm. he changed me wow dr noel erskine my my first funeral service as a i was a seminary student at 21 wow. and had been assigned to be the pastor of two little rural churches um, so the fall of that year I get I went there in, in September October of that year a young man 15 years old tragically accidentally shot and killed himself Wow my first funeral service as a pastor was that Wow I walked into my uh, my seminary advisor's office dr. Noel Erskine who is a who's a he, he's an ethics professor And he was on the phone with somebody in Africa. And um, he looked up at me and he said, I need to call you back. And he hung up the phone and he sat in his office. And I don't know if he missed classes or what. He sat in his office with me for three hours that day Mm. and listened to my concerns and taught me in those three hours how to be a comfort to to this family. And so when I look at the opportunity that that families have across West Virginia to take a child into their house or a, or a sibling group into their house through foster care.
0: Mm.
1: Or when I look at the opportunity for somebody in college to come and work for us mm. as a direct service person, mm. come to our campus. And and I mean, we have we have jobs even where people can work a full-time job in, over a weekend. So mm. you can be there 48 hours, get paid for 40, sleep for 16, and get a full-time Wage wow. with benefits. Wow. Now you know, starting wage without any experience is fifteen dollars an hour. But that's wow. that's not horrible for yeah. a college kid. Yeah, absolutely, right. right. So, yeah. so, well, wow. it, and it's relationships. Yeah. You know, the, the our our front line people across West Virginia. We have them in Harrison County. We have them in, in Randolph County. We've we've got them in, in Barber County and and even mm-hmm. clear down in Cabell County and mm-hmm. Wayne County, mm-hmm. um, Raleigh County. We've got them all over. We got them here in in Mon County. Yeah. Um, these people who are individually touching the lives of families, mm. like totally making a difference. We get messages all the time through our social media s- from from kids that grew up in our system, um, saying Burlington changed my life. Yeah, yeah, and they come back and visit. I, in fact, at the mm. Clarksburg Mission, mm. I I had a guy that worked for me there. He was in his. He's the same age as me. I'm fifty five. He was he was about my age. Grew up in Clarksburg. Got in trouble. Uh, and uh, I, I knew loosely about his, his story. I knew he was in placement. But when I got hired, when he found out that I got hired by Burlington, he called me. I hadn't talked to him in, in several years. He called me and said, hey, Burlington saved my life. No I kidding. spent three, I spent my whole high school career living on the campus in Burlington, attending Kaiser High School. What? That's why I got a scholarship what? to go to West Virginia Wesleyan. Wow. Like, <laughs> how cool was that? I mean, I, I mean that's like coming full circle. Absolutely, yeah, that's 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 so, amazing. So yeah, amazing, I think the, story. the, you know, I, I I love how entrepreneurial Burlington has been mm-hmm. for the last hundred and hundred and nine years now, mm-hmm. um, and and we're going to continue to be that. We're going to continue oh, yeah. to ask. Yeah. What does west virginia need from exactly.
0: us? exactly it, it, it it's solving a problem absolutely right? that's the that's the heart of entrepreneurship absolutely is solving a problem what would you say chris is the thing you're most excited about for burlington right now like what's what's on your what's on your plate
1: well so the biggest the biggest um thing that we have coming up of course is opening this new house and i'm yeah. um, and i'm super excited about that we need more beds for addiction recovery mm. and the system we're using works um you know the um judge uh, um, Mike Alloy, uh, mm. oh, he's yeah, a federal yeah. judge down, yep. in, down yep. in Clarksburg. Um, he's an old friend. He, he came to visit. I didn't know he was coming. <laughs> but, and, and I don't think he knew that Staggers and Burlington, he didn't put me and Staggers and Burlington together. Wow. And so uh, they had a Christmas open house at, at Staggers Recovery. And they invited all of the, all of the women's uh, parole officers, their judges, and, and a federal judge Drove from Clarksburg to Bur- to to near Burlington in My- Mineral County to to come to a Christmas open house for the for wow. three of the women either two either two of the or three of the women who live in that house are are out of his court. Wow! And and I couldn't believe I walked into that and there he was and he's just the most gracious man and um and so when I um you know when I see stories. Hmm. When, you know and he, he, he sat and listened to the stories of the the women mm. that are from his court in that house. they took him on a tour, and he sat with them for an hour and a half and listened to them mm. outside of the courtroom and so i 'm excited about the possibility that what that what we're doing um, really is making a difference These, mm. these women uh, several women went and made a grant presentation and were given a grant They're gonna, and now we 're going to add some office space uh, in a garage wow. to that building because five women went to a presentation, put it all together, they did it all and mm. were granted a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> wow. um, That's amazing. So, you know, when they first get mm. to our house, we have a mm. community, uh, a community engagement person who helps them to figure out what their credit score is and how mm. to make it better and wow. every, every month they check their credit score so when they leave, you know, they're... It's really preparing them for, for, for a, a life of, of, of abundance
0: absolutely really. it, instead of just this absolutely. despair and, and sadness
1: when we had our last graduation Hope. we had five five women graduate three of them came to me during the graduation service and said when's that next uh, when's that next house opening I want to work for you no kidding not for me personally I want to yeah, work for Burlington. for Burlington Wow I want to work for Burlington that's amazing I that's, that's, that's super sa- cool that says it all <laughs>
0: Chris you know since you've been at Burlington as the CEO and the president what would you say has been your best moment <laughs> I mean if you could define it into
1: one wow, If I could define it into one moment the best moment of being CEO at Burlington um, I would say i I went to their um, to their christmas presentation the the students on our on our Burlington campus did, did a whole uh christmas thing they they have a um, we have an on-campus school, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's part of the, the, the um, uh, West Virginia Corrections, really, is, yeah. is the manager of yeah. that school. That was just um, a
0: couple of weeks ago. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so um, watching, so, so the high school kids actually have drama class as part of their course of study, okay. which is amazing. And to watch that group of kids who I, I know a lot about their stories, to watch them put on a comic Christmas play and be so excited about it and so serious about it just to sit back and watch that happen mm. and think where would each of these kids be? Um, one of those kids in particular uh, and this you know there's it really is difficult to narrow it down to one but mm-hmm. one of those kids in that play uh, is a kid who just got new teeth. He he really was was struggling with all Mm. kinds of self-esteem issues and just on top of all the other issues Mm. that he has in life. And our staff worked Mm. uh, to get him teeth. And um, so about two weeks before that Christmas play, I or, or no, just a week before the Christmas play, I had been up there at the school, and the gym teacher had that group of high school boys in our weight room, and they were working out. And it was the first time I had saw, seen him personally with the new teeth and so I talked to him about that and he said, hey, that's not the best thing. He said, the best thing is two months from now, I'm gonna be 18 and I'm getting an apartment back, back in my hometown. And I said, well, have you, have you learned what you needed to learn here? And he said, absolutely. He said, I know that the group of kids that I was hanging around with because I'd felt badly about myself mm. are the reasons that I did the things that I did that got me here and I am determined that that's not going to happen going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. He's, he he really he yeah, I mean it's just it's just remarkable I mean, that, to hear him that, talk that, about his yeah. plans for his life. Well, that's
0: a that's a lesson in self-leadership, right? Yes. We talk a, about a lot about leadership on this show, but self-leadership is where it all begins and just, right. just that realization is,
1: is powerful. Absolutely. And that would oh. not have happened without the Treatment Associates mm. um, who who you know watch over the house in which he lives mm. on a da- you know 24/7 we have a we mm. have 2 to 3 staff who are in that house and they they work with those kids they do homework with those kids they teach them chores they they help them work through their treatment plan they go see a therapist on our campus they they have a case manager all of those people working together our, our campus chaplain um you know uh, our teachers in our on-campus school, like all of those people working together are creating new lives. Exactly. And it's just incredible to yeah. watch. Well, you know, it's,
0: um, there's a lot of touch points there, but the, the the basis of everything is love, like we just talked about, yes. right? And it's, and it's per, you know, from, from that young person that you were just describing, getting themselves in proximity with people who can share that love yes. is, is a powerful thing. And Burlington being, you know, a provider of these services, faith-based, has that at their core value, and yes. to me, that's just a tremendous, powerful thing. It and absolutely, just, I mean, is. it's just—it's incredible it, to, to, to just listen to that story right there. was was awesome. So Chris, I want to take a quick second just to recognize and mention our sponsors for Positively West Virginia. They include the State Journal, wvnews.com, and Interaction Media. The support we receive from these West Virginia companies allow us to highlight the incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia. Our guest once again today is Chris Mollett. He's the president and CEO of Burlington United Methodist Family Services. Chris, I want to jump right back in it. What's the vision uh, that you have for Burlington United Methodist Family Services long term. What do you see, uh, how do you see that evolving?
1: Um, a, a lot of it long term will depend upon the number of people who across West Virginia who will step up, yeah. um, for instance, with foster care. We are, we, we have no limits mm. as far as the number of kids that we can serve in our foster care program. Mm. Um, our only limitation is that we don't have enough homes. Yeah. And so um, what that means in practical terms is that that West Virginia kids are getting sent uh, to residential treatment when they don't need to be in residential treatment, and because of the limited number of beds in West Virginia with that, they're getting sent to out of state residential treatment mm. and um, and they're also getting sent to out of state foster foster care mm. um, and and with foster care, the intent of it is to put families back together reunification absolutely yeah. reunification is always the goal yeah. initially and and so so when you have a child that is that is you know there's things going on in the home that requires that child to be taken from the home and then social workers are in there helping the family to to learn to process what they have to process in order to become a suitable environment for that child mm. and it's it's absolutely essential that that child have access to to visitation, and not to be out of state, day. yeah, and and right. so when, exactly. and so without kids in, without foster families within specific counties, mm-hmm. and um and communities across West Virginia, th- the outcomes for these kids and for these families, is always much worse. Mm-hmm. It just can't, uh, foster care can't work the way it's supposed to work unless there are families within every community. Mm. Th- to provide those homes and and, and, and that's so, that, that's
0: the essence of hope right is that that, that they can be reunified with their family absolutely. They and work out the problems because no
1: matter what of... has happened that child will always see those people as his or her mom or dad mom that's and right. dad whatever right. yeah. um and so so we're you know it's it's just so so the vision is to really to grow our foster care yeah. program to the place where every foster every Child needing foster care in West Virginia can receive foster care in West Virginia in their community yeah, yeah. to give them the best chance of reunification with their family.
0: And I don't know if this number is accurate to date, uh, but I've recently heard a number of more than 7,000 Se- yep. children in West Virginia are waiting placement. Is that? Is Not
1: that, waiting placement. Right. 7,000 children in West Virginia are in state custody. In state custody. Some, somehow okay. or other have been removed from their home. Uh, might have been something the child did, might be something But scoring. they're not currently in a foster home, is that correct? Or? The majority of those kids are either in residential treatment or in foster families yeah. okay. already. Okay. Um, and they're, but the reality is because of the lack of foster families, you know, some of those 7,000 are out of state, don't need to be, yeah. shouldn't be, shouldn't be, yep. but have to be because there's yeah. no place for them. Some of those kids, when they're removed, because of a lack of, of easy access. To a family in a community that child ends up sleeping on a couch in the dhhr office yeah. or right. ends up getting a hotel room hotel room, room. Yeah, i've heard can of that. you yeah. imagine yeah. a child <laughs> removed from home they have nothing else to do rent a hotel mm-hmm. put a child there and check on them mm-hmm. like what and and people would say, "Oh my gosh, the DHHR is awful." That's not the DHHR's fault. What are they going to do? They can't manufacture foster families. Right. Neither can so, we.
0: So, if somebody's listening to this and, and you've touched their their heart and they're like, "Hey, this <laughs> is appealing to me," what mm-hmm. what are some practical things that folks can do to to get in to get plugged in? And maybe maybe it's just a baby step, or maybe it's the whole you yeah. know, jumping in. So
1: I, Talk I a think a little bit about that. The um, first thing is start the conversation. Go to Mm BUMFS.org. There's a foster care button there. Mm -hmm. Um, You can find us through social media. You you just go to Burlington's website and click on the foster care button and fill out the form. Mm-hmm. That doesn't commit you to anything. Yeah. What it does do is it's gonna put you in touch with somebody who has the answers that you're looking for, yeah. um, who's gonna be able to answer your questions. We have amazing, amazing social workers mm-hmm. that will be able to answer any question you have. They'll be completely honest. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't do anybody any good to to make it glossy when yeah. it's not. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so start the conversation. The opportunities, you know, if if you if you know you you do your home study and you're approved your home is opened as a foster a, a foster home in West Virginia and you're licensed and all of that then when a a, a child that fits within your choice of what you you know what what you what you believe and what the social worker believes will work with your family and your capabilities when that child becomes available then the social worker calls and says hey we have a 13 year old girl who's just removed from her home and we need a home for her um you good to go yes and and then the child is placed with you but if you say you know not a good time Mm -hmm. okay it's not a good time um so there's no kind of you know nothing's going to be shoved down your throat and so so the kind that's kind of the full-time foster care thing but there's also respite care Mm. Um, huge need among foster families for opportunities to be gone for a week to to have a a weekend off uh, where they can rest and recharge their batteries and we need homes where uh, people are able to to say yep I'll be one of those people if you have an emergency situation Mm. where a family has has a death in a family or has some other situation going on and they just need four days i'll be that four days yeah. Um, yeah. and those respite people are often um, also considered as emergency um, situations so so i don't want to be a, a a long-term foster parent but if you have to take a child in the middle of the night um and you need something other than the couch in your office, um, I will be that person who you can, you can call me in the middle of the night, bring the child by, I will be that emergency shelter, and mm. and um, then, you know, when you find a, a regular placement, three days, four days down the road, the child moves on. Wow. And we need those. Yeah,
0: the, the need
1: is great. Oh my you gosh. Know, and
0: and I, I really appreciate you kind of Delving into that, like some e- immediate action steps, and we'll make sure that uh, we have links to to the website and everything, and uh, and all those resources on the show notes section right. of the podcast for sure. Uh, Chris, what's one of the biggest challenges you face right now? I mean, you know, we we talked at length about the foster and needing needing families mm-hmm. to step up. What's what are what, what's another challenge that you're facing right now? I
1: think the, the challenge the challenge that that agencies who, that are funded by um, the state and federal governments face is, this, is the same challenge that, that the DHHR is facing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a new um, um, commissioner for the DHHR, his name's Jeff Pack, really good guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a delegate from down um, in the southern part of the state, uh, really concerned about foster care and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when the commissioner role came open, um, Secretary uh, Jeremiah Samples uh, appointed Jeff Pack to be the next commissioner. And um, when he got there, um, what he found was that there's a, there's a 27% vacancy rate in CPS workers. So Child Protective, work, child protective wow. uh, Services workers, case managers, um, are trying to, to tend to all of these cases of child welfare. And they're down twenty seven percent in their staffing. Yeah. Well, that's a financial issue, yeah. right? The reality is that if you paid somebody fifty thousand dollars to do that, there wouldn't be a shortage. It would still be hard. Like you see, the worst of it's the a, worst it's a hard of the job, worst, isn't it? Absolutely. Like yeah, yeah. uh, we, the people mm. that serve in our foster care and that serve in Sarah's house, which is a child advocacy center mm-hmm. that we have that that serves Mineral County and four surrounding counties, um, and they deal with with sexual abuse of children all day, every day, mm. right? So uh, the lady who who uh, directs our Sarah's House, Amber Talley, uh, she has done a, over 1,100 forensic interviews, which means that she has True. sat down wow. across from a child who's been sexually abused and listened to th- and had to interview that child about that sexual mm. abuse. Um, not only does West Virginia, and I know this is real pleasant, right? But uh, West Virginia leads the the second in the nation in the number of children who are removed from family uh, by the state Um, and a lot of people cry about that "Ah, the state's just wanting to take people West Virginia also leads the nation leads the nation in familial sex trafficking Mm. so that is sex trafficking of your own children Mm. that so West Virginia leads the nation in that Um, I personally know people who are dear friends who were used in exchange for drugs or alcohol when they were little girls mm. and and that's the kind of stuff we're talking about right yeah. and th- that's and and so again the addiction right it's it's all it all goes to addiction yeah, exactly um, and um so so the the challenge is um, the challenge is how do you find you know, we, we are we are limited by the amount of money that we are reimbursed by the state for different things, and they are limited by the amount of money that the legislature gives them. Like, it's yeah. nobody's fault, That's right? right? Yeah. So I'm, no blame here. But we're limited by that to pay people mm. a wage that that is not compelling, yeah. right? Especially for the to, level of work to, to do important. the kinds of things that yeah, they have a tough, to do. Tough job. Like mm. it's it really. You know, when you're seeing the worst of the worst of what people can do to other people, mm. now the other side of that is you get to see the most incredible resurrection stories. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. it's fulfilling but, but, on the other end. It, it but is. It, but you, you got to go through. But there. But let's mm. not be. Let's not be. Um, you know, looking at it with rose-colored glasses. Right. So the reality is that it often doesn't work out well. Mm, yeah. That that some of these kids. Simply go back and repeat the story, mm. and then their kids repeat the yeah, story. You and can't, their kids it's hard to the it's story. hard
0: to to uh, to
1: redirect that family tree. It is so so I think you know that's oh. that's the challenging mm. thing is how yeah. do we how do we staff how do how do we pay people adequately for what they do mm. and therefore be fully staffed. Our our campus at, at Burlington was down twenty full time people, which meant that. Uh, which meant that I even worked <laughs> a couple of shifts in residential care, wow, right yeah um and um and so our therapists were working shifts in residential, our chaplain was working shifts in residential like wow. that 's not anything our our vice president of resi- of that campus was working shifts wow. in residential that 's not what you ever want to happen, right. um, but that 's part of it, and so we yeah. have we we just we took a huge risk as an agency. Um, to, to bump our, our starting wage to $15 an hour for those, wow. for those folks. And, wow. and, and if you have education, it's you add five, 5% five for a degree, yeah. you add wow. 1.5% for every year of experience you have up to 10 years. So, wow. I mean, it, and, and really at this point, limitless overtime if you yeah. want it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, wow. It, Chris, you're, you're an
0: amazing leader and you've got an, a, an amazing heart uh, for uh, this line of work. What's one of your guiding principles of leadership?
1: I think my my primary um, is is that i I see myself as as a resource provider mm. so I always assume that the people who work for me um, already know what to do mm. and if they need to know more about that, they'll ask but my job is to be sure that the obstacles that are in their way get moved and and so that's what I that's really how I see myself every day is uh, the six people who directly report to me what do you need from me Mm. what could I be doing that I'm not doing Mm. what are the obstacles that you're facing that you don't know how you've tried and you just haven't solved them yet and so um so yeah I I see myself as a as a provider of resources and that's um you know clear clear down to the to, to the people that are working on uh, as, as treatment associates on the front lines or people who are frontline caseworkers, I say to all of them, listen, if there, if there are things that you're running into that you don't know how to deal with and you've already run it up the chain a little bit, run it up a little bit more. Wow. I want to yeah. know. Yeah. Um, not, not to get anybody in trouble. It's not throwing anybody under a bus. I couldn't care about a bus. Um, I care about... The children and families and uh that we serve the women that we serve serving them um, yeah. that's that's all that matters yeah. and so if there are things that are keeping you from doing that well i need to know <laughs> let's fix it that's great i love that perspective what's what's one piece of advice chris you would give
0: to young people uh, who may be thinking about a career in nonprofit uh, yeah. especially you know what what you're thinking about uh, or maybe even starting a nonprofit this shows all about entrepreneurship and small yeah. business but what what's one piece of advice you would give so
1: i think i i, I think for social entrepreneurs mm. they have to be willing to look at at problems in communities and instead of asking um, why doesn't somebody do something about this? Mm. They need to ask, they, they need to see their passion. Like If you and I walk down the street together, we're gonna see different things because mm-hmm. we're different people, right? Yeah. So if, mm-hmm. if 10 people walk down a city street for a block and then took a survey at the end, what did you see? All of us are going to see something different. Some are going to see stray cats. They should go start a humane society. Some of us are going to see homeless folks. They should start a homeless shelter. Some of us are going to see uh, struggling families. They should start something like what Burlington does. Mm-hmm. What? So I think that a young person needs, I think that we as a society are whiners by and large. We look mm-hmm. at things and mm-hmm. we complain about mm-hmm. it. Mm. Complaining has never solved a problem. Right, exactly. So if, if, if if there's a young person or, or an older person who's who's thinking, you know what, maybe maybe I don't want to do this corporate grind every day. Um, if you're listening and, and you and you just keep seeing the same problem over and over and over and it really tugs at your heart. Like mm. stop asking why doesn't somebody do something and start asking and start thinking about what can you do. What can I do? Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's never been a problem solved. There's never been a nonprofit started uh, that wasn't started by somebody saying, "Somebody needs to do something about that." You mentioned Mm -hmm. Rustin Seaman earlier in the show. The way that World Vision, World Vision, this huge international, multi-billion-dollar nonprofit that is is um, creating a better world for children all over the world. Uh, they're they're the ones who started the child sponsorship thing and all of that. Yeah. They've got over three million children being sponsored. The way that they got to Philippi, West Virginia, was that Rustin Seaman was working with youth in a little church up on Chestnut Ridge, and he's a basketball guy. Yeah, right. And yeah. and they needed a basketball court up there, so he started looking for grants, and he found this grant through World Vision. For. <laughs> and so he got a $1,000 grant, I think, yeah. to get some concrete poured to make a basketball court yeah. on Chestnut Ridge. Yeah. And that, him saying, these kids need something else. Yeah. They need something else. And the, the guy that he went to be with as, as a the pastor of that church mm-hmm. was a guy named Frank Peoples. Um, when Frank Peoples started preaching in that little church up there on Chestnut Ridge, the community of Chestnut Ridge had... Um, An infant mortality and um, and um, birth women in, in women dying of childbirth uh, mortality rate at the same level as a third world country. Mm. The reason was they didn't have public water. Wow. And so Frank Peoples, as a pastor of that little church, went down to Charleston and beat the drum to get a public service district that would serve Chestnut Ridge. Wow. And he did it. And you know what their child? You know what their mortality rate is now in childbirth? Same as everybody else. Wow! Right? It's just no longer third world. Did something about because it because somebody saw a problem yeah. and fixed it. Wow. And and that. that's really all it takes. Mm. Um, mm. You know, get the get a little passion, some energy, and start asking for money. Do it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Right. <laughs> that, that should be a slogan. Just somebody just should it. think yeah. of that.
0: Somebody should. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Chris, what's one thing you do every day that you think contributes to your success?
1: Hmm. I think um I I really think it's important as as a leader to not overreact. Hmm. Um I I keep myself in check every day. I mean I I hear lots of lots of I get lots of information, right? Every day. Yeah. Um and um and I think the the thing that I do consistently is to not respond imme- or to not react immediately to that information, mm. but to over time respond to that information mm. yeah. and so um, i I think that that has really served me well in life mm. and in leadership uh, is the ability to not overreact yeah. you know, if you're a, if you're a pilot of an airplane you're getting lots <laughs> of bad information all the time, <laughs> and you can't respond radically to that information yeah. or the plane or the people in the back are going to vomit. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and at the well, very least never fly with you again. <laughs> the,
0: the, the time between stimulus and response oftentimes is magical, right? It's very important. Absolutely. This, it could be, uh, if you have to make those split second decisions, you can. But oftentimes that that magic is is in that time between the stimulus and the response
1: yes and I, so i think i really do think that that's the one thing i do every mm, day that's great is to is is to moderate my emotions
0: you gave us a a movie uh dope sick oh and we're gosh. gonna put we're gonna put that in the show notes but what's one book or podcast that you'd recommend for uh for folks in your line of work
1: um joan gary uh does a podcast um mm. that is that is wonderful um she is a remarkable leader, and uh, I would highly recommend Joan Gary's work. Um, Good. It's, I think it's two two R's G-A-R-R-Y, yeah, that's great in, in Gary and um, and a book. Um, wow. Um, I think I so I guess the other podcaster that I would recommend would be uh, in this would go along with books. Um, Brene Brown oh, yeah. is yeah. a remarkable social researcher. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. And I think that her research on on uh, really, she's, she's a sociologist, or mm-hmm. soci, uh, I think her research is remarkable. And and any book um, that she has written is is fabulous. I think her work on vulnerability mm-hmm. um, is super important. Um, and I think that, that most people, um, I think a lot of people don't want to be vulnerable, yeah. are really uncomfortable with vulnerability, mm, myself included, <laughs> Yeah, but it's very difficult to lead, uh, without <laughs> absolutely without that. And I, I think, you know, and it's just more comfortable. I think it's more comfortable as a, to be human mm. when, when it doesn't matter where you are, who you're with and when you know, I, that you don't have to be different you don't have to be on. Yeah. There is no on, there is no off if you're vulnerable. Yeah, it's just exactly. you're just you. You are who you are. Yeah, yeah. and it's such a beautiful place to be. <laughs> um That's awesome. So so I would say great. you know, don't um for, for anybody who's starting in this like don't, don't try to be what you're not. Yeah. It's um, good. They, that good becomes advice. a hard act to, to keep up
0: with. <laughs> hey, Chris, just uh, for, our, for our listeners, we have um, a resources page on positivelywv.com where all of our recommendations throughout the past several years from people just like you mm-hmm. uh, are listed. So the books and the podcast, and they sure. can just click and uh, check those out. So we'll make sure we get uh, get that podcast and Brene Brown's uh, book. Maybe we'll put a couple of Brene Brown yeah. b- books out yeah, the there. Yeah, the Dare to Lead is really yeah, I, I have it on my shelf out there. When yeah, you yeah. walk out, you can see it, <laughs> Dare to Lead. Uh, Chris, we've covered a lot in this interview. Is there anything else that you think folks should know about your story or
1: the Burlington United Methodist Family Services story? I think that, um, I, I guess I guess I would just make one more plea for, yeah. here, here's, when when I got to, when I got to Burlington, what I would frequently say to people is that, you know, I, I grew up in the church, I've, I've spent my life in the church, I, I gave a lot of years mm. of my life to leading in the mm. church, and um, and I've met hundreds and hundreds of people over those years who have said, you know, foster care, I, I've really, I've always thought about that, I've always thought about that, and mm. so I would encourage the people who have always thought about that to go press that button and fill out that form and yeah. just start the conversation. Yeah, take a step. They, so, so the problem is bad, and it's not getting better. Mm. Um, you know, the last 12 months is the first time in the history of the U.S. that over 100,000 people died from overdoses, and mm. and West Virginia, and and so, so the national average is 28 deaths per 100,000 people. West Virginia's rate of deaths per 100,000 people is 90. It's more than three times the national mm. average, and so it's it's not getting better. We we could wish it's better. We can hope it's better uh, we can pray it's better. The reality is kids need homes yeah. because it's not better. Yeah. And, and you know, we thought it was horrible five years ago and now mm. it's twice what yeah. it was five years ago. What's the tra- trajectory, right? <laughs> and the, yeah. The trajectory uh, is, yeah. is just enormous and yeah. it's, you know, and hmm. now, you know, we got people hooked on, on the op- opioids mm. and, um, because of the horrible, horrible corporate greed and, and, and now, you know, the, the Government has done a good job and 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 some of those drug companies have have done a good job of of now preventing diversion so so their their drugs are no longer going to the streets but now fentanyl is coming in disguise so any mm. any pill that somebody buys on the street that they think is hydrocodone it's not hydrocodone it's something designed to look like hydrocodone that's actually fentanyl wow. and and any mm. variance in the amount of fentanyl that's in that can be deadly. Yeah. And that's what we're seeing. And so mm. so it's just um, so we need people who will step up, become family, become part of the solution mm. for children, so that that's just not a repeated behavior. Yeah, And um, we've and got to change it, we got to, and, and it starts with us, right? I mean, and how many know. how many of you have seen the, the memes over the past year? You know, no one's coming to rescue you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, West Virginia, no one's mm-hmm. coming to rescue you, mm-hmm. right? We, it's yeah. us. Wow, it's us, and wow. we can do this, but we have to, <laughs>
0: right? Yeah, exactly. It's not
1: going to just happen, Chris. I've really enjoyed our,
0: our time you. here today. Um, how can our listeners learn more about you and United, uh, Burlington United <laughs> Family? <laughs> United Methodist Family <laughs> Services. It's way you, too long. I know. I know, I, know right? I
1: know. So, so um, we have we have a, a website, uh, BUMFS.org. org. Mm. Uh, we are on social media. We're on we're on uh, Instagram and and uh, uh, Facebook and um, and would love for you to reach out. Uh, yeah. Really would would love for you to reach out and and if anybody wants to have a, a personal conversation. Um, you know would love to you know reach out to me personally yeah. on social media chris Mullet. i'm 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 on instagram Sounds i'm great. on i'm on facebook and we'll make sure we twitter. have links
0: to all that yeah out there like i, I would, to I would love twi- to talk twitter account yeah people, yeah, i don't care <laughs> <laughs> that's great uh chris it's been a real honor to have you on the show today i uh I, I i can't thank you enough for the work that you and your whole team at burlington is doing they're amazing uh, and i think uh what you're doing is just really uh fantastic work and it's god's work really yeah and uh I just want to encourage you to keep that up, man. You're doing great. Thank Thank you. you. Thank Thank you you. so much. Thank you. Folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. As we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and nonprofits... And people, really, doing amazing work throughout the Mountain State, just like my friend Chris Mullett from Burlington United Methodist Family Services. Our hope is that we, in some way, equipped you and inspired you with this story. If you or someone you know would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on our website at PositivelyWV.com. Of course, we appreciate your comments, your reviews. Uh, I just I love reading those. Our team loves reading those as well. And you, uh, you can, of course, share these stories on your social media channels. And we appreciate that as well. And be sure to check out our weekly show, the PWV Business Mastermind, every Friday from 11 a.m. to noon, where we bring you a panel of business experts from around the state each week to help small business leaders and nonprofit leaders around the state succeed. Positively West Virginia is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can learn more about our mission of advancing entrepreneurship, small business, as well as nonprofits at PositivelyWV.com. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, including our producer today, Mr. Hampton Hill, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay positive, West Virginia.